I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. I don't think you know this yet, TJ, but this is going to be... A fantastic podcast. I don't know that yet, so we'll see. I'm I'm real jazzed about some of the things that we're going to explore. Excellent, good. I'm expectant. Is that <laughs> the right word? Many of you, who, longtime listeners, will know that one of TJ's favorite sayings when I over exaggerate the success that we're going to experience is "prove it, prove it, Just prove it." It's fine. <laughs> Puts all the burden on my shoulders, which is exactly where ones want it, because we could do this all ourselves and not destroy our hearts in the process. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's accurate. Last time we hit how each of the types get the love we want, but this time we're talking about how we experience that love. I have never thought about this being two very different things going on in myself, but they are. Sure. And so Enneagram-wise, it gives language to not only how I'm getting love, but how I really want to be loved in return, and that's worth exploring. Yeah, I'm excited. Come on. I don't really have anything to set us up with unless you want to talk about movies. Uh, we got a favorite love movie scene, somebody experiencing love. Um. Uh, maybe we should pass on that. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite uh, experiencing love moment in a movie is Rocky uh, and Breaks me every time, just in case you haven't gotten a chance to watch the last two minutes. It's great. Yeah. My, uh, I think that my favorite movie about love, we brought this up last time, and like, I, I wasn't sure about what my favorite movie about love was, but I think like way up there is uh, What Dreams May Come, which we oh, really? also discussed before. I, You're the one that is, likes that movie. I love it so <laughs> much, and I, I know very few people who have even seen it. I love it so much, and like <laughs> his his willingness to stay in her hell is just this beautiful, like the the self sacrificial like I I would rather be with you in hell than alone in heaven kind of thing. Man, it's great the way the way you phrase that. I assume I was not mature enough <laughs> to appreciate that theme. <laughs> you also have to. Uh, if you're the type of person who has a hard time with a traditional view of hell, you also have to overcome some philosophical <laughs> issues with that movie. So, yeah, yeah. got some flames. Uh, it's it's more like Dante. Like yeah. their 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 presentation of hell is much more like Dante. I really I I think it's it's great and beautiful, and I I don't believe in it at all, but I think it's a beautiful movie. Center of the circle. Yeah. Satan is eating Judas and Brutus and Cassius, pooping them out and then eating them again. Right. That is Dante's central 
That's as bad as it gets. Yep. That's the center circle. Yep. (laughs) Which makes me laugh. That makes me go, okay, that's interesting. It's so Catholic. (laughs) Oh, man. It's quite quite medieval is the way that I suppose I interpret that. Yeah, sure. We talked about uh, refuge in the... uh, streets uh just a little while ago in terms of you you mentioned the renaissance and saying we we just skip past some of that yeah dung in the streets and and the rest yep let's not revisit that part of history whoever you know who needs to get some sainthood is whoever invented the sewer yep seriously special place in heaven whoever that was i don't know who it was but she was smart yep We're talking about experiencing love. Okay, so just like last time, so when we talked about getting love, we focused on affect and stance. These are two of the triads. This time we're focusing on a different triad, which is intelligence center. And we're also going to emphasize the heart's message here. And I think there's just a lot to be said in those places for how we experience love. Because to start, all the things that we experience come through our intelligence center. Um, Each of the types receive the world in a certain way, through their head, through their heart, through their gut, and just an enormous amount to say. That's really common. If you've been into the Enneagram for a little bit, you've probably heard that kind of language, head, heart, gut. That's our primary center. I want to pause for two seconds and introduce another part of that, which is called the secondary center. And that is the place where each of the types, it's their... How would you phrase this? <laughs> What's the definition? It's sort of, of like, like you have the primary center that that like does all the heavy lifting, and then the secondary center supports the primary center. Yes. So, for example, ones are in the gut triad, the body triad. They're action focused, intuition, take in the world through through their body and have a, have, have a physical experience of being in the world. And their secondary center is their heart. So an easy, quick way of saying how ones navigate the world is that they act on their feelings. Correct. And we can do, especially with those types that are not threes, sixes, and nines, all of them are kind of on if you were to look at the Enneagram symbol, they're on a line with one of the other intelligence centers. Right. So ones are on the line with the heart, twos are on the line with the gut, fours are on the line with the head, fives are on the line with the heart, sevens are on the line with the gut, and eights are on the line with the head. Each of the types, you have your primary center, and for all those types, they also have their repressed center. So those are three centers. Right. We'll talk about three sixes and nines. Uh, so don't and you we worry. get our own special category? But this is very important in how we receive love. The only reason we're spending time on kind of this setup is I think it's so valuable for how we receive love, and so we'll we'll end up referencing a couple of times. So just kind of get that in your head that you bring in the world through your primary center, head, heart, or gut. But oftentimes you have a secondary center that needs to be named. We are also going to be talking about time. Last time we talked about the orientation to time with stance. So I, I apologize for all the footnotes up front. 
<laughs> but, but it helps set the set the stage for what to expect as we talk about this. Take all your notes now so that when when uh, when we get to these references later, it makes a little more sense. There's a payoff. Yeah. You know what somebody needs to do, TJ? Write a book. A, a great book with lots of visuals would that would really display nice. this that you could just like see it. Yep. <laughs> If you have not yet gotten a chance to see our recent episodes on time, do do look at those. But there are two orientations to time with our types. There is the one with stance. How you are getting things has an orientation to time. But how you receive the world has often a different orientation to time, and that is where we're going to go today. When you receive love, it's going to get filtered. And that's the big idea. Whenever you see the world, it's being filtered through your type and you need to put a name to that because when somebody is trying to love you, it's going to be filtered through who you are and part of that is your orientation of time. Right. You have thoughts on on Intelligence Center and the orientation of time there? I, th- I think we'll we'll talk about it as we go through this, but um, if if all of this is very confusing... I would say either you'll figure it out as we play or you should pause right now and go back and listen to some of our time episodes. Yeah. I think that you'll get it. If yeah. you just jump to your number or when we get to your number eventually, uh, you'll you'll know exactly what we're talking about as we start rambling. Agreed. <laughs> At least when I start rambling. Yeah. TJ will be bringing the pain. No, I just... All I just It doesn't sound as much like I'm rambling. <laughs> I am. I just bring the confidence to the table that makes it sound like I'm not. I want to say, do you want to flip a coin and see which number goes first? I don't have a preference. Where do you want to start I have a nine-sided coin. What are you talking about? I feel like we never start with the sevens. Great. Let's start with the sevens. Actually, there's a great reason to start with the sevens this time, which I'll name later. Cool. Sevens are going to filter the world through the future. The future is uncertain. That is their intelligence center. They're filtering it through their head, which has a future orientation to time. Right. Sevens need to know that they're going to get taken care of. That's their heart's message. So let's just start there. Sevens have a future orientation to time in terms of how they receive the world, and they want to hear they're going to be taken care of. Sevens, because they're taking the world in through their head, filter the world with a future filter. They are very aware of what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And this is why they have an underlying feeling of fear. The future is uncertain and they don't want to be stuck. They want to make sure that they got some opportunities. The heart's message for the seven is you will be taken care of. This is a traditional list and we're going to talk about all the types on this front. But sevens in particular need to hear that they're, all the things that they need will have resolve. Right. And this is, what, this is a, just a deep longing for this type. Before we get into how sevens experience love, anything worth saying about how sevens receive the world? This is a good summary with a lot of buzzwords, but it's really about like like sevens are scanning the horizon and looking for the next thing. Like they're we we're all we all exist in the present moment because that's that's how reality works. But but sevens are continually looking at what's coming. They're looking for the way to get out the door if they need it, or or what comes next. They're they're planning for their future 
continually and that's that's just like that's that's their place in the world is to be looking at what's coming next yep so so they often in fact struggle with being present to what's happening in front of them because they're looking at the horizon yes the sin that's often associated with sevens is gluttony it's a very physical sin Mm -hmm. it's a very body-oriented sin and this is a good place to elevate the secondary center for the sevens. The secondary center for the sevens is their body, is right. the body type. They're on that line. They're right next to eights. They need to hear you will be taken care of as their heart's message. But that's a very physical, intuitive message. This is why when breaking bad, when going to their shadow side, they begin consuming physically. Mm-hmm. And so here's my theory, and it's going to set up most of our conversation. I think that we experience love and the things that we need in our secondary center. I think it plays out with all the types, and at least for our conversation, I think it's just worth talking about because this over and again strikes me as something we may not just see. Our secondary center is very important. I'm kind of saying it, but our secondary center is important because this is the place we experience the affection of others, and it should be named. Hmm. Notice how it is with sevens. You will be taken care of. They need to know that physically. They need to know that intuitively. They need to know it not in their head necessarily. I think it's a physical thing because notice how they try to get that need met on their own. I'm going to overconsume. I'll play that out in the future with the other types. We can just come back to it. But anything we're saying in terms of the heart's message, when loving a seven, you have a seven in your life. When loving a seven, how is that displayed for them? If you really know the Enneagram, what does it look like to love a seven? I think like leaning into that idea of your needs will be met, the things that that you need to survive, those are going to be taken care of. In order to meet needs, you have to fulfill something physical. And and so like like looking at how sevens are like that that sort of action based planning, it's not just that they're looking to the horizon, but they're already moving toward that horizon. They're they're on the go, they're they're continually looking for the next thing, and that means they're actively looking for the next thing. And so when you are trying to to fulfill that heart's message to to sort of like present and and help them understand that their needs will be met, you have to fulfill their needs, which is a physical experience. You have a best friend who's a seven? I do. What does it look like? For you to say, I really care about you, to that seven. In a lot of ways, it is leaning into the, providing the intuitive sense and space that the things that he needs from me are going to be present. Yeah. So it's not about saying it. I, I can tell him these things all day long, but it, it that doesn't fulfill that need for him. It's so much about it being provided in ways that he can't that that he can't necessarily point at. It's 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 known, it's felt, it's 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 there, it's present, it's real. 
is there something about the physical adventure, the ex- physical exhilaration, the even the adrenaline, the sugar high, the I mean the cocaine buzz for sevens, that all seems very physical mm-hmm. in terms of like you will see a lot of sevens will really struggle with their weight because of the consumption that's going on in their lives. Sure. There's something physical there in terms of wanting to meet that need for what they really want most. Right. And that's their secondary center. Right. And and I think it's I think it's easy to sort of over rely on that as a sign, but it's definitely there. Like it it's because this is how sevens are in the world, it's present in all aspects of their life. But it there's there's so much of it that that is like it expresses itself continually in the physical world. Yeah. Yeah. I think each of the types as we talk through them are going to become more clear the more that we hit this mm-hmm. image. I just as I look at the list, the list is in front of me. It just jumps off the page if you write it down. So if that didn't make sense, just listen to the others, and we'll probably reference sevens in, in the in the future, sevens, eights, and nines as we get going. But filtering the world through the future, sevens need to just intuitively grasp that they're going to be taken care of. That's one of the best things you can tell a seven. Your presence in their life, meeting them in that space, making sure they physically know that with a heart towards, I understand that the future can be terrifying and that seems like a robust message of love. Right. And providing those things, like telling them that there will be food is different from having food. Yep. You know? Yep. Like food is easy to point at because it's, you know, something that we all need. But but in, in so many of ways, the things that sevens are going to struggle with, saying it out loud is not going to have the same kind of impact as just having it, providing it, and giving it to them. Yeah. TJ and I sat at a table of folks teaching Enneagram this week, and there were two sevens who communicated that they had stockpiled at least a month's worth of nutrition in their basement. Right. And notice how physical that is. Notice how future-focused that is. Notice that it is here. Yeah. Resources available. Right. That's even them making sure uh, the opposite here is also true. The way sevens receive love is oftentimes how they are loving others in return. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I'm going to take care of my family and make sure that you have what you need. Well, and it's also it it's an expression of this idea that that it's not it's not just that sevens want to live their best life, it's also that they want everyone around them to live their best life. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not for for the seven who is a provider for their family, it's not just that they want to make sure they have enough food. It's that they want to make sure their whole family is part of that experience as well. Yeah. Correct. This is going to play out. This idea, this lens is going to play out as we get to the eights. Eights are going to filter the world through the present. Eights are in the body type. So they're going to be present focused in terms of how they receive the world. Eights, nines, and ones are all resistant to the present as well. So just have that in the back of your mind. It's not just that we receive the world through the present, but there's also this hitting the present with our energy that's important. Eights need to know that they will not be betrayed. Notice how present focused that is. That's not about the future. That's about right now. Right. 
you you will have seen that movie where the turn happens and lo and behold joe betrayed charlie and that was the thing that turned the whole movie and it's like a ah it's right now it's right. visceral right it's visceral yeah. visceral betrayal is present the the thing that lasts after betrayal is something else but betrayal is a present experience secondary center for eights is their head they didn't know they're not going to be betrayed yep you will notice that eights push boundaries hit people in the face with their words they are testing you all the time yep that's not about their gut they're not receiving things necessarily intuitively right there's a radar for how reliable you're going to be that is coming out and that's why they're crass why they joke the way they do why they push you mm -hmm. if you're an eight this is this is how you assess whether or not the person in front of you is trustworthy yeah right yeah the um eights do have a very intuitive sense of people uh that that's that's part of being in the body triad so so realistically if an eight isn't pushing against you either you've already proven yourself to them or they already know that they don't need to test you which which could be good for you or really bad for you because they <laughs> don't like that means that they don't give a crap about you at all and so like like that testing is about coming to some kind of cognitive understanding of how people react to things yep the shorthand is that eights intuit their thinking right and that's why they're so fast right and it's also why notice what their target often is it's not just i don't want to be betrayed but i don't want to be vulnerable and in this place and at this time i'm going to be strong and that's the process right going on in the heart mind and soul of an eight right they they have like that thinking is so quick but it it manifests in in they they don't even have to come up with a plan they're already acting on the plan that they've already come up with and it it's because that that thinking happens so quickly and then moves into action right away if you're going to love a seven you need to respond to their body if you're going to love an eight you need to engage their mind mm -hmm. that that's the thing here for me yeah it's the experience of love we need to know what the t if 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 somebody in my life is an eight which as many of you know my oldest child is an eight i need to know the best possible way to love this person is to love them in their mental life. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like for me to get to that place? Yeah. Engage their thought process, give them opportunity to, to understand you and your, the way that you are thinking and, and like spell things out. And more importantly, be faithful to what you've said. Yes. Eights don't tolerate liars. And, and when you tell them something and go against what you've said, that can be even, even small, stupid things that can be a small form of betrayal. If I'm predictable, it gives the person in front of me a lot of strength. They know how I'm going to be in the world. They don't need to guess. Right. They don't need to have their radar out. If I say what I'm going to do and do it. If I'm direct, if I am aggressively honest here's where you stand yeah that's very easy to mentally comprehend right and that gives the eight power right 
And it also means that they don't have to do any work to figure something out, which is energy they would rather be spending doing something else. Yep. I'm going to save the punchline for when we get to ones and twos, but there's a huge punchline here when we get to how coping style works, sure. which I'm just going to tease. But cool. well, getting to the nines, and here's where things get complicated. Hmm. <laughs> So if, just in case it didn't get in the weeds enough. Which is exactly <laughs> what nines love, complication. You know what nines do love when they're given the microphone is saying, you know what, here's how things work for me. And only me. I can't speak for all other nines. <laughs> You're our prototypical <laughs> nine. This is how this podcast works. Yeah, and as a prototypical nine, I can't speak for everyone else. <laughs> Well, we'll note that, and everyone listening will assume that you are speaking for nines. All right, great. Nines are going to filter the world through the present, just like eights. Nines are also resistant to the present. You will see how that materializes. Those of you who know eights and those of you who know nines will understand both of them are resistant to the present in very different ways. Mm -hmm. The heart's message for nines is nines need to know that their presence matters. Nines don't have a secondary center. Well, let me restate this, because this is where things get confusing. Darn those three sixes and nines. TJ, talk about how the centers work for the nines. (laughs) So three sixes and nines all... So, like, Jeff talked earlier about that that line that you could see. So ones are in the body triad, but they're next to the heart triad. Eights are in the body triad, but they're next to the head triad. Three sixes and nines are all right in the center of each triad so for nines we take in the world through our body that's that's just like eights and ones our body is our primary center but because we're in the center it's also our repressed center so our our secondary center is actually both the other two so for nines our primary and our repressed center is our body and we have equal access to thinking and feeling. For threes, we'll get to this, we'll, we'll talk more about this when we get there, but for threes, their primary center is their heart, and their repressed center is their heart, and their secondary center is equally doing and thinking. For sixes, their primary center is their head, their s- repressed center is their head, and they have equal access to their body and their heart. So getting back to nines. Uh, the way this works is that we take in everything through our primary center. But unlike eights and ones, we don't engage from our primary center. So thinking and feeling are simultaneously our, our secondary centers. And some of us lean more into one or the other. There's, there's theories about this that, that you actually you draw more from one than you do from the other throughout most of your life. I, I kind of go both ways on it, so I guess it depends on who you ask. I need to think real hard about why this is the case, but for threes, sixes, and nines, they need to hear their heart's message in their primary center. Right. You have to flip a coin, apparently, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about it, nines intuitively need to grasp, physically need to grasp. It needs to be like, it needs to resonate with them that their presence matters. Perhaps you can speak more to that. I don't know. I I know well, why it is for everyone else, but I don't know for the centers. So to take this to uh, uh, 
metaphor land for a second. So we can sometimes call this, um, we've referred to this as the, the, the intelligence center sandwich. Like if you think about it as a sandwich. So going back to eights, eights, the top part of the sandwich, the primary center is the body. This, the middle part of the sandwich is the head because they're right next to that head triad. The bottom part of the sandwich, the repressed center, is the heart. So you have these three stacked together. Now, three sixes and nines are a little bit more like an open face sandwich because we both repress and both our, our primary and our repressed are the same one, and the other two are sort of equal status. So where every other type has a secondary supporting like clearly this is how this works, a secondary center that supports the primary center. Three sixes and nines, the sandwich is shaped differently. So the thing that we need is still in our primary center because that's actually the most deficient as well. That last word is ringing in my ears that perhaps when somebody tells you that they love you, it needs to move into that place of deficiency for those right. three types. Right. I'm sure there's logic here. This is one of the great things about the Enneagram is it is true about reality and we're still discovering like the, the structure is there and it's almost like you're discovering a dinosaur skeleton and you just have seen the head and you're like, I wonder what else is here. Right. Or for, for, for so many of us, I'm sure there are scientists out there that like, Gravity is not a mystery, as, or at least as much of a mystery to them. But for me, I don't understand what gravity is or how it works at all. I just know it's true. Yeah. I do not understand necessarily why I receive love in my primary center whilst, while Jeff receives love in his secondary center. I just know that it's true. There it is. A lot of things, when talking about the inner life, the best you can do is say, tell me your story. Tell me how things work. That's all the Enneagram is. It's right. just 10,000 different stories that have been systematized. And here's what motive looks like. Right. Here's what receiving love looks like. So there you go. The punchline is that for those of us who love nines, it's not about giving them a message that they can comprehend. Right. And it's not about appealing to their feelings. It's about physically showcasing how much their presence in our lives matters. Notice even the language of Hart's message is dripping with intuition. Right. The easiest example I can give for this is uh, I, I have been a part of many, 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 many different productions in my life. And you can say into a microphone that I am valuable, but if my name isn't in the program, then I know intuitively that something's off. And, and like that's like a, a really pithy sort of superficial way of getting to this point. The, we have this joke about Jeff, like when we bring up the heart's message for nines, Jeff says out loud to me, your presence matters. And it's like, great. I love hearing that. That's awesome. And it means nothing. 
because I need to feel it. I need to feel it in the way that you value my time and my contributions and the things that I do matter to other people because my action center is repressed. I need to know that that action center is important and I need Mm. to know it in an intuitive way. I hadn't even thought about how it's uh, all of this is almost a call to us living out our virtues. Right. But that's entirely right. And I'm sure we'll see that play out in, in threes and sixes as well. If sevens are taken care of, they can be sober. If eights are not going to be betrayed, they can be innocent. And if right. nines' presence matters, they can act. Yep. Man, that's all over that. I, I'll play that out with the rest of the numbers, but that's exactly what happens, is if I'm loved, then I will be invited into my best self. Right. That's what vir- the virtue, the list of virtues which we'll, we'll hit in maybe writing a book that has a lot of that going on in it. <laughs> the list of virtues for each of the types. It's, it's just the, it's an, if you're loved, you're, it's an invitation to be your most virtuous self. Virtue is human excellence, by the way. That's Aristotle. The, when you are the virtuous person, that's living the best life, the happy life, the fulfilled life, the joyful life. And it's each type experiences that in a different kind of way. Mm. You want to get to some ones? Anything else to say about nines there? Uh, I don't think we talked about time for nines, uh, but taking that love in, taking like understanding that intuitively you are loved is a very present moment experience. Yep. You'll notice that that's why the shadow side of nines is moving into places where I believe my presence doesn't matter and therefore I engage sloth right and that's how i express my anger into the world right none of you care i'm gonna go over in the corner right or to to add a little nuance to it i think it's more that i don't matter therefore i'm gonna go into the corner not necessarily that none of you care it's that i don't matter oh sure that's actually worth noting that in the same way that ones are hyper angry at themselves in terms of their sin that still bleeds over into nines. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's much more about I don't matter than you don't care about me. Mm. That's a good word. That's important. We'll get into the ones then in the same way. If ones are going to filter the world through the present and ones need to feel that they're good. This isn't an intuitive thing for ones. This is a heart thing for ones. Ones are on the line with the heart triad. And the heart's message for the ones is that they're good or they're whole or they're complete. You got thoughts on on that dynamic of how one receives love from the world? I think with ones, it's it gets a little bit more sort of confusing with ones uh, because, like the the heart as the secondary center, it, it's harder to say to sh- to showcase how love is experienced in that place. Mm-hmm. So I, it's almost like a like it's it's easier to say this is how it doesn't work. This is important. The difference between intuitions and feelings. Yep. I routinely stub my toe on that and find myself thinking about it. This is my quick and dirty distinction. Intuitions are not about other people. Mm, yeah. Feelings are about relationships. Yep. 
Intuitions are about controlling every detail of the universe that has nothing to do with a human being. And understanding that you can't point to. Yes. But, and so a lot of our understanding intuitively isn't the relational. I wonder if there, is there such a thing as in, in a relational intuition? I think yes. But it, it, again, it's, it's relational in nature as opposed to an, an understanding based on your body or your energy of a space. The intuitive, the, here's where time really helps. The intuitive center is about right now. The mm -hmm. relational center is about what's happened in the past. Sure. The intuitive center, when it comes against the present, gets angry. The relational center, the emotional center, when it comes against conflict, it gets shameful. Mm -hmm. It digs into where was the anxiety caused in my connection with others. That's where the heart triad is. The intuitional center is all about control and autonomy. Yeah. And unfortunately, the English language doesn't have the clean words that distinguish intuition from feeling as, as well as one might hope, I suppose. Right. But there, that's where I go. Yeah. You got, I like that. On that. That's, yeah. that's a good distinction. Relationships versus not relationships. So with ones, they're intuiting. They have a, a gut feeling about their relational life, and that's how they come to the world. Have a repressed thinking center, and so so much of ones is fire ready aim, right? Unless they have some systems that they can lean into, and that's why so much of the life of a one is I just need to build up structures, principles that I can lean into because otherwise. I'm entirely intuition and feeling, and that can get out of control real fast. Right, right. Doesn't say anything about how ones <laughs> receive love, but but that's how we are in the world, just in case you wanted to know. The, the, the feeling of ones, then, is they just want to hear that they're good. I have all sorts of thoughts on this, but I would love yours, your thoughts. Like, how do ones receive love? Well, I think... I feel like we have talked about this before, but I think it's good to say over and over again because it's it has to do with people that ones already care about speaking that truth into their lives over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I have a theory and, about that, by the and way. And even uh, like working against so so ones ones twos and sixes, but everyone and more closely ones, twos, and sixes, and going in a little bit further, mainly ones have this voice inside their head that's constantly criticizing everything that they do. And when there are people around a one who can counteract that voice and say, no, that thing that you're, that you're saying about yourself isn't true, here's what you did that's actually good, and like work and speak love and, and goodness and rightness into their lives, that is the place where ones hear it, is in their relationships. Yep. If you're a one, I'm going to say one of the most important things I'm ever going to say on this podcast right now. This is a perfect storm for you. It's twofold. You're thinking repressed and you're resistant to the present. So you need other people to tell you over and over again that you're good, 
but because you're resistant to the present, you can't receive it. My favorite teacher I've ever had is the great Bonnie Creddy, who was way overqualified to be teaching high school civics. <laughs> Definitely a one. I have tried to tell that woman how many times, uh, countless times, how much she meant to me, and she never receives it. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly why. It's because she's like me. And because you're not directly in relationship with her. Well, she may have a, well, um, you want well, just like, like is, it, is that someone that you spend regular time with? Well, I spent three years. I mean, I took every single class she had. Like, <laughs> I, I yeah, go back. You, you took classes from her because that's her job. <sighs> but you weren't in relationship with her. Well, say it's the case that you invest all of your life into some students, and one of them comes and says, I want to tell you how meaningful all your work has been. And you say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just, uh, you know, you're just throwing me a bone. Occasionally, we need some bones. <laughs> you, have you not experienced that with ones? That they oh, dismiss yeah, totally. compliments? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this is really common with ones. Of, And that's, mm-hmm. it has, that is their resistance to the present paired with their own self-criticism paired with another layer, which is thinking repression. Right. Their thinking repression ends up being exactly what you said ones, twos, and sixes all need to hear over and over and over again, whatever the message is. Right. Because we just can't get it into our heads. Right. Right. And that's one of the reasons that we struggle with the neurosis that we have, you know, of ones criticizing themselves, of twos routinely trying to get the love of others when oftentimes they are deeply loved, and sixes being neurotic about the future. Right. And that, like... For, for ones, the place where that comes in is specifically in relationship with others. Yeah. And like your high school teacher can have people say that to her till she's, till the cows come home. It, it, it doesn't matter unless it's people who are, are regularly, consistently in relationship with her. Yep. Because it has to come from that feeling place. Fun fact, in my class, just my class, we had a school of 300 students. We had one class, it was called Senior Honors. It was just a humanities class. Mm -hmm. In that class, there are five of us who teach college, one of whom went to Harvard and got his PhD, and one of whom went to Stanford and got his PhD. Mm -hmm. I'm a scrub from Colorado University. but the (laughs) And there's a handful of us who are like one one woman is a administrator in a, a Denver school district, mm-hmm. and I mean, just all of us were so inspired by this woman, and I can tell her that. Yeah. And her response to me was, "It's so great to get a bone from time to time." Mm-hmm. I don't know. This means I, I I suppose I'm spending a lot of time on this because it meant so much to me in the moment. She dismissed it so hard and. It, her Enneagram type is entirely over this. Yeah. And there are ones out there who do the same damn thing mm-hmm. and you don't know how to receive love. Right. You just don't. Right. And that, that's what I'm trying to communicate. Yep. It's true. Has to come from that feeling center. Has to come from the feeling center. Yeah. Which means relationships. On the flip side, n- and now I'm going to take back everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> she did receive it 
but because she's resistant to the present, she's incapable of receiving it in ways that are in the moment and well played. Yeah. So that here's the thing. If you love a one and you tell them how amazing they are, they're resistant to the present and they're constantly criticizing themselves. Right. And they're thinking repressed. Your message is going to, it's going to feel like it's hitting a wall right. bouncing back to you. And if you're like me, you just get pissed off. But, <laughs> but, but it's actually the case that they hear it and right. they receive and, it. And that's the thing. Hours later, she may have processed that in yep. really valuable ways to her. Hopefully. Yeah. The thing about ones, they don't have an anchor in the past. You know, when she might have processed it when is when things got bad. Sure. And if you ones when they can get to their stress number, sometimes we can hear the compliments. Mm. It's a real interesting thing about this is when ones can go to the high side of four, really internalize and say, who am I? What's my role in the world? What is mine to do? You can actually hear the language of others um, washing over you and what what they've said to you from that posture. Because then you're using the tools of four, you know, which are which are past-oriented. Right. Okay, so twos. <laughs> twos filter the world through the relational past. Twos, threes, and fours all have a past focus in terms of how they receive the world, and this is why they struggle with shame. It's a relational focus. It's a past focus. And everything that they experience has that coloring. Right. Twos need to physically grasp, intuitively grasp, that they're loved. Right. We've talked to Suzanne Stabile on our podcast. It's, it's an easy example, but she routinely brings up the fact that she's adopted. Right. This is not a place of success. A loving family didn't select her out of all the countless thousands of children they could have selected. I was born to parents and I was born and then they had to take care of me. Suzanne Sabile was selected. Right. And it doesn't matter. She was physically abandoned is what actually her processing of that is. Mm -hmm. And that's for, for twos, that's just an example. Twos will have that image of where are the places the relationships have gone badly. Right. Who didn't love me? And, and in, entirely based on some kind of intuitional sense. And there it is. Because they need to feel physically in their intuitions that they're loved. I don't yeah. know. I would be real curious if twos more than other types need to be hugged or get gifts. There, there are often that this is not this. I'm, I'm not giving people permission to go up and hug twos, but, <laughs> but often twos are very physical in their expression and their reception of, of affection. Uh, Cambry in one of our episodes in the past, describe twos as the wettest type like most <laughs> most likely to be sort of weepy which makes sense i get it uh but it's so we talked in the last episode about how uh twos are essentially just looking for appreciation like like in relationship with twos it's really really valuable to show appreciation for the things that they do and and that while that's true it's also the case that that is is more about acknowledging their usefulness and the the way that they actually experience love so that, like you're 
by acknowledging, by saying thank you for the things that they do, you're you're basically showing them that you recognize them and that they are are valuable to you. But but the way that they are most likely to actually feel and experience and take in real love is by being taken care of the way that they take care of other people. Yep. And that is an intuitive sense that that is is oftentimes actually physically doing things for them like like cooking meals baking cakes or whatever or or taking care of their physical space or their physical person in some way it's also meeting some kind of need it's it's meeting their needs the way that they meet other people that's part of how they actually feel love and it, it is intuition based it's a great call all the types are going to be of that sort that we often try to love people the way that we desire to be loved. Right. A really easy way to see this is gift givers. Yeah. Gift givers almost always want to receive gifts. That's why they're giving gifts all the time. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, huggers, they want to get hugged back. Right. Yeah, there's a whole conversation that could be had about the four love languages, but we're yeah. not going to because that <laughs> changes everything. We, we got like, through two of them. There's, there's <laughs> still like, there is a sense of naturally loving other people the way that you want to be loved. But you definitely see it with twos. Yep. And that's a great, that's a great word. It's worth talking about for all the heart triad, how much the relational past has power. Mm-hmm eights, nines, and ones are resistant to the present, and that's almost a posture. Like, we're just always fighting against the present, and we're right. angry. You you all won't know this, but TJ and I spoke for 20 minutes prior to our recording about all the things wrong with the world. Right. Because the world's on fire, <laughs> and we are, and I, in particular, who was the primary voice of anger. <laughs> yeah, you, you need, need to get some stuff out. It's cool. That's not how it is with the heart triad. Right. It's about what has happened in the past. Right. And that filters. I love the idea of a filter here. You you are putting on glasses. You're seeing the entire world. Every detail that you see, I see. But the heart triad sees it with that relational, here's what's gone on in all of the relationships I've ever had filter. Mm-hmm. And for twos in particular, it's it's... Because within that sandwich, their thinking is the thing that, that is most hindered. Yep. So they, they don't process that information appropriately. And it's all about it's all about feeling like a, a gut sense of their relationships and and what can they do in their relationships. Another perfect storm there in that twos well, I suppose both thinking repression and earning go together. Maybe yep. that's a that's just how it works. Right. Because you can't think through all the things you've already done for people, you just pony up again and what can I do? What can I do? Right. Right. Ones, twos, and sixes all have that struggle. Right. And how it plays out for twos, like like in the same way that you can say it to to nines all day long that their presence matters, it, it doesn't matter if you don't show them. You can say to twos that you were loved all day long, and it doesn't matter unless you show it to them. We have a triad now. Sevens, twos, and nines 
are all the ones who need to receive love physically. And so we've talked yeah. through them all, and here it is. We've said it from a different, you know, it's all different vantage points. Seven's taking in the world through the future, two's through the past, and nine's through the present. And they all need to physically be loved in different ways, but it's very much how they're receiving the message their heart craves. Right. Come on. Threes. Also filtering the world through the relational past. Threes need to feel. They're, again, going to be in the center of their triad. So like nines, threes are going to take the world in through their heart. They're going to respond to the world through action and thinking. But when they receive love, they need to receive it through their heart. And they need to know that they're valuable. Right. So you got thoughts on threes? Yeah, that's... um... If you're paying attention and you've done some study before, you're hopefully starting to see the pattern really show itself. Yep. Like like threes are their sort of internal sense of themselves is that they don't have any value apart from what they do in the world. And what what is most valuable for them to feel and, and internalize and take in love is relationships with people who care about them. Not about what they've done, but about them and, and invest in them and are around in their failures and in their successes and celebrate them when they're really great and celebrate them when they're really struggling. Another one of those places where the Enneagram was there 20 years before I got there is this with threes. Because the dynamic of taking in the world through your past and responding to the world in the future is 100% how my wife functions. Right. It's all about how things have gone in the past relationally. And by God, I'm going to make sure that on Wednesday, this doesn't happen again. Right. I'm going to make sure that I win Wednesday. Right. We're on Sunday, but Wednesday is mine, and I dominate Wednesday, especially in the mind and hearts of people that I care about who are going to tell me that I'm wanted, that I'm doing a good job, that I'm valuable. Yep. And this is is part of why threes are working so hard to be impressive, is so that people around them will care about them. Feeling repression, however, with threes. And so just like ones, I suppose, on some sense, there's like this barrier. You got to get past the barrier. But threes are feeling repressed. And it's feeling repressed with their own feelings. Right. Can't understand their own feelings. How do you get past that barrier? I I would say that that for most threes, they don't get to the point where they don't understand them they stop themselves before they even get there. They're not engaging with their own feelings. It, it's often the case that, uh, we, we talked about this in the last podcast, that the threes are, are performing feelings in order to be successful in relationships. Yeah. And so even their, their own feelings, it, it's, it's not necessarily that they don't understand them, it's that, that they have their own stuff in this little box on a shelf where it's safe. Yeah. And, That's a good and way what it. they're putting out into the world is is performative and reactive to, to what will help them look really successful. The way I read that is there's a prioritization taking place. Here are our goals. This is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I have clearly thought through these things, and I'm going to act on them. Feelings get in the way. I have feelings. They're over there. Right. 
But I know what's primary in terms of getting what I want. But I certainly, this is where the feeling repression yet feeling dominance of taking, you take in the world through the filter of feelings, but you Mm -hmm. don't engage the world through feelings. Right. This is what's gone on in the past. And so I'm going to think and act in a way that gets me where I want to go. Right. And that's the, that's the move. That makes a lot of sense to me. As I say it, I realize there's three, you threes that are listening. I know you could have said that way better than I just did. <laughs> I'm like thinking through the 12 There's threes a much I know. more efficient way to say all of them. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. <laughs> but also, they, they wouldn't say it in this way because when you tell threes that they uh, aren't engaged with their feelings, they're like, no, that's nonsense. Because they have feelings. Many of us who know threes find them incredibly valuable, uh-huh. are befuddled by how well they do in the world, the things they accomplish, and yet that is the thing they need to feel from the people who are closest to them in their lives. Yeah, and it's it's that relational engagement Yes, over and over again. And I think in particular in those, especially in those moments where the thing that's happening is not praiseworthy or quote-unquote successful. Yeah, give an example of that. Like if, if, if the three that you're in relationship with is experiencing something that they might call failure and you're engaging with them and, and still telling them how great they are or, or say they are... Like I, I know so many threes who really struggle with expressing grief because grief is so messy and, and like you can't win at grief. Mm-hmm. So it's often the case that they, they sort of put it aside and they, and they perform the necessary visual elements so that other people can see that they are being successful, but their actual experience of grief isn't really happening. So when they do experience it, especially if it's in front of someone and that person engages with them and can potentially tell them that what they're doing is good and healthy and, and appropriate. And like that, that is a really valuable moment for the three to experience love to be told that even in their failure, they are still loved. Yep. Another big obstacle here is the intelligence center. You you've mentioned this in the past that the loss of a person needs to get into the past before a three can actually engage it. Right. All the types, twos, threes, and fours, in order to engage the loss of a loved one, it has to get into the past. Right. The tools that the three has are future-focused. That's how you get what you want. It's by focusing on the future. And if mm-hmm. you have loss, it's, it's very difficult. That's why threes, sevens, and eights all, all are going to really struggle here. Yeah. You got future tools. How do you deal with loss? Yeah. It's gonna, that's going to be, you're going to have to really elevate your repressed center to get there. Right. Yep. Mm. Long story short, though, the threes need to hear they're valuable, especially from people who care for them. I think especially from people that they have a history with. Yeah. One of the things that's real interesting to me I, I know I've said it a handful of times. My wife is as accomplished a high school teacher as there is in Colorado. Doesn't care about any of the things. She does care about what her students say. She does care about what the administrators th- say. 
the one thing she really wanted to see was she really wanted her mom to come watch her teach, which mm. never happened. Mm. And there's a history there. And there's yeah. a, I want you to see my value. The person who I've had this long history with, Yeah, I want you to see my value. Right. Well, because her mom has seen the absolute worst parts of her. Yeah. Oh, that, that yeah. that's like it it comes down to like w- uh, with history comes depth of knowledge and experience. So, if I were to meet Kelly today in one of her classes and think she is the most amazing person that I've ever met and like try yes. to engage and 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 be in relationship with her, that's that's cool and and she would be on board and also what I have to say it wouldn't speak to her value apart from whoever she was presenting that day. Yep. Because I haven't seen in this scenario, I hadn't seen her at her worst. I hadn't seen things that she might be ashamed of, the ways that she's, she's failed or messed up or whatever else. But people that are in relationship, especially longevity of relationship, you have an opportunity to see some of those failures. You have an opportunity to to be present for the things that the threes don't want other people to know about. And then when you can still say you were valuable to me, that has meaning. Yep. Pushes further into her past focus. If you just meet the three and say, you are the best teacher I've ever seen, and you may have all the letters next to your name, there are. Right. It's still the case the person from your past may outweigh you. Right. Because of the filter. Right. I'm sure there's a ton more to say there. I feel like we're just scratching the surface, so I apologize. (laughs) But it feels like there's there's so much there. Uh, Let's talk about fours. Likewise, relational past. Uh, Fours need to know they're seen. And you'll notice... Again, their secondary center is their head. They're on the line there with fives. And the cognitive element for fours, fours who come across as so emotional, they need to know things. Mm -hmm. I have a four in my life who's routinely texting and inviting feedback. Yeah. That's a knowledge thing. Yeah. Do you see me and speak into this? I need to know it. And... Like we said about ones that like the 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 easy way to describe the sandwich is that ones act on their feelings or react to their feelings even and think about it later. Like that's that's how you describe those intelligent center sandwich. Fours feel their thoughts. Like fours spend all of their time and energy processing their feelings feelings and thinking about it and and thinking about the feelings and feeling about the thinkings round and round it goes that's that's what they do so the place where that has to come in for them is in that cognitive sense so that they can process it and feel it and think about their feelings and like it it can it can work its way into their natural process just just like working yeast into dough like it just has to become something that that becomes a part of them through the way that they interpret and interact with, interact with the world. Yep. I really want to hear your thoughts on how the filtering of the past ends up relating to wanting to be seen. 
because I think that ends up being the real core thing, that move. I'm taking in the world in its all its kaleidoscopic beauties and tragedies and energies, and yet I want to be seen. Mm-hmm. The perception of fours is vast and, you know, it's robust. It's, it's voracious in terms of being able to see the colors. Yeah. And at the same time, I want to be seen. And that's how I'm told that I'm loved, is that in all of that, somebody notices me. Mm-hmm. Well, there, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's found right there in that sort of, that cycle of feeling my thoughts and processing my feelings that, that's, that's centered in where I've been, what I've experienced, it, how my experiences have crafted the person in front of me. Like, this is, this is one of the reasons that, like, thinking about fours seeing beauty in the world, you have to understand that there's a reason that something becomes like something is valuable because it has a story. It has a reason that it became this way. Like fours so much more than other people see the value in, in grief, in brokenness. And and they see beauty in that. And part of that is because there's a history that leads up to that brokenness. There's, there's reason behind it and there's there's nuance and and that like the, there's a story to be had there and yep. like that that's all about the past it it all works together so so in hearing in in experiencing in trying to internalize the idea that i am seen and understood you also have to see some of my history to know who i really am yeah it's that law again that the way I love others is the way I want to be loved. Right. I can see you. I can see your story. I can see all the things, and I want you to reciprocate. I want you to be able to see all the depth of my story. Right. And that's how I'm loved. Right. Yeah, and we can go through all of the types, and it just consistently, how I love other people is how I want to be loved. Right. Has to take place for the fours in their head. There's something about being able to articulate to fours, here's the big thing, here are the nuances that I understand Mm -hmm. about you. Yep. That's what matters. And and because of that, uh, coming back again to that, that cycle, they have to spend time processing it. Like, like you'll see this in, in the other two types that have to take it in through their head. We talked about it a little bit with eights. Eights are very quick thinkers. So, so understanding this concept comes through their intuition as well. Like it, it has to come in through the head, but it's also part, like it's tied to their intuition. But, but with fours, because it's tied to that emotional state, like, like, you have to say things to them. You have to get them to cognitively understand something so that it can work its way into their heart so that they can think about it, so that they can feel about it, so that they can think about it, so that they can feel about it and, mm-hmm. and become a part of them. But it enters in through through a cognitive understanding so that they can then move it into their heart. And in in a way, it's it's like it has to become a past experience for them. That's what it is. So that they can process it. Yeah. 
Is it not the case that four's own understanding of themselves actually needs to get into the past before they can appreciate it? In one way, yes. And that's the easy way. In in the uh, in another way, I would say it's it's that's that that's not quite accurate. But then I'll have to get in all kinds of other things. And so, short answer: yes. I think their understanding of their themselves is is very 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 complicated. And are you saying that fours are complicated? Yes. <laughs> I I know exactly where you're going and i also am like man i don't know that we have an hour to talk about we, this. we just don't have time <laughs> and it's, it's it's not gonna help us get to the point of of our our focus right now is about experiencing love and here's the thing force that's how depthy and amazing you are it's sure. that we can't even we can't even go there it's, right it would take us so long to actually plumb the depths of how amazing and beautiful and complicated you are. Right. <laughs> and even then we couldn't really get to it clearly. It's just like sort no. of a general outline. I mean, just brushing the surface. Hours to explain. We'll get into the fives then. <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna move into back into the future. Fives filter everything through an uncertain future. Fives need to feel in their hearts that their needs are not a problem. Right. This is, again, one of those that the more I get to know fives, it just blows up as the obvious thing. Right. They're taking the world in through their head, which has a future focus, and so they're worried about resources. But they're on that line with the heart triad, and so when they receive love, it's going to be emotional. Right. And and notice that fives are the type that are most likely, like we talked about non-engagement, non-involvement, and and like they're they're sort of the homeostasis is is trying to be unattached to what's happening around them. And part of that is that they feel internally like they they have this like one of the things that's driving them is that their needs are going to be too much for other people so they keep it all in and try to detach and the answer to that problem is experiencing from other people that their needs are not a problem yep there's something about fives that do have a voracious appetite for making sure that they have everything that they need, knowledge, resources, assets. In a, if somebody steps into that space and says, you know what, I got this whole element of your fears taken care of, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I think with, with a lot of these things, it, it's hard to point at concrete examples, but I think with fives, there's actually some really easy things. When fives share themselves with you you yep. have to take it seriously yep that's that's how you show them love i would love to talk about the emotional lives of fives because it's one of those places fives often come across as i don't know how else to say this they they end up being kind of a bizarre number mm -hmm. when you look at the enneagram symbol and how all the arrows work you're kind of like how does this work right. when you get stressed out you go to seven 
the thing with fives also, and perhaps is the biggest thing, is that there is a robust emotional person there. Mm-hmm. And that's not how they come across in the world. Right. Well, and part of that is, is that they are looking to categorize their those emotions and and keep them in control in a way that doesn't place the burden of those emotions onto other people. Mm-hmm. Because again, they feel like their needs are going to be a problem. So they keep it to themselves. It's it's that front. Yeah. It's that here's what I'm offering the world to understand me. But what I'm offering is a very protective, wall-like, cognitive, data-driven facade. Yep. But right over that wall is in a very emotional person mm-hmm. because that's their secondary center. Right. Yeah, their emotions, their their heart supports all of that thinking and data processing and, and observation. Yep. It's because they care about the things that they're looking at. We think fours are the ones thinking about their emotions. Nope. It's the, the fives. Fives that are thinking about their emotions, yeah. Fours are feeling their thoughts. Fives are thinking their emotions. As such, when stepping into the life of a five, there's a move that you understand what that five needs and meeting their needs. That five, like all of us, we, we can't take care of all of our needs, but fives in particular are aware of their needs and aware of the places that they can't get to the places they want to get to to provide for themselves. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else steps into that space... That's connection. Yep. This is often why, you know, fives outsource a lot of their relational lives at times. And and, and specifically to a close other. Yes. And that's that that is trust. That is I can't do this entirely myself, but it's something I know is very, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I often see fives partnered with twos. And it's 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 a way of sort of letting someone else do work that you're not good at, mm-hmm. and it also is giving an opportunity, f- like in in the healthiest sense. It's also bringing on a tool to help you improve this thing that you're not good at. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, just romantically. The fives in my life are routinely attracted to and connect with twos, fours, sevens, and eights. Mm -hmm. And I bet we could go through all of those pairings and say this is why. Yeah. Two of those are on the line, eights and sevens. Right. And when you're on the line relationally, you provide things and stress and security. But I know, you know, Cambry is married to a, uh, Cambry who is a four is married to a five. Right. And and you and I know countless fives who are married to twos. Right. And that's an interesting thing. The two shuts down their own needs, provides love, affection, relational connection. The five shuts down their own needs, provides the stability of reason, data, insight. Mm-hmm. Very much a giving relationship. Right. In which they receive. Right. Bang. Your needs aren't a problem. You want to speak to that heart's message for fives in terms of the love they receive? 
I think it is, um, we've sort of touched on it without saying the actual words, but that's, that's where that, that sense of like, we say hoarding a lot and, and protection and like, like collecting and, and keeping and, and storing resources is, is just part of the five's way in the world. And, and like they, they, part of why they do that is because they need to make sure that they have everything that they need should they ever need it. Mm-hmm. And so, so the way that you take care of and love and, and, and support and, and really like speak to that heart for the five is whenever those needs do come out, which they inevitably will because they're a human being, you take it seriously. You, you, work really hard to make sure that they don't feel exposed or incompetent or deficient or like it's often the case that those needs will come out in a expression of fear that that's often the case of like when fives feel like they can express their need or even when it just sort of like bursts out of them it'll it'll express itself in a place of fear and if you don't take their fears seriously you don't communicate love to them yep. so like if if you really want to love them in that moment you'll you who is related to them in some way will let them know that their fear is reasonable and you will do everything you can to to meet them in that. This is another big epiphany for me as we're talking is a lot of times those fears are about their physicality. Mm -hmm. You have talked about how as a nine, you really want somebody to love you in your physicality. That was in our last podcast. You talked about your partner in terms of providing food and make the resources. I think that's probably true of fours, fives and nines is that there's something about the provision physically that matters. I know with my youngest child, who's a five, it's about when he gets sick, that's the place that really I know that he needs love and he doesn't feel like he has the resources. He doesn't right. understand his body and he needs somebody to step into that spot. Right. And he's not going to get that love from the internet because the internet is just going to tell Ooh. him that he has cancer and he's going to die. <laughs> and he's not going to get that love necessarily from a doctor because a doctor is a stranger entirely right oftentimes moving very quickly through things oftentimes doctors don't care about his emotional life right at all because that's not their job just moving through the other types real quick ones twos and sixes i know that one of the things that's most attractive to me about my wife is that she can speak wisdom into all these places that I'm thinking repressed. Mm-hmm. And that is a place of real connection. And I imagine for three sevens and eights, when you have somebody who really is able to engage your feelings in really robust, worthwhile ways, that matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something worth putting a pin in, that we are attracted to people who shore up our repressed center. Sure. Huh? I like it. That's some stuff. Anything else uh, about the fives? I'm not sure that we talked that much about their their fears being about the future and and like experiencing love in in that sort of future, like we will take care of you kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Or let's talk about that. I will take care of you kind of way. That that 
brings us full circle. We have gone around the circle. Five, sixes, and sevens all filter the world through an uncertain, deeply chaotic, you can't predict anything that's going to happen future. Yeah. That's how you take the world in. Right. All the heart's messages for five, sixes, and sevens focus on the first future. Mm -hmm. You'll be taken care of. You'll be safe. Your needs are not a problem. Right. All of that is about the future. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not... For fives, it's not meeting their need that they have in the present moment. It's addressing the fear that they have about the future. Yep. Because it's probably going to be the case that that the way that they are expressing themselves in a way that that has real need. Like like one of the reasons that I keep saying you need to take it seriously is because it. it it might be the case that the five who has an enormous 401k is deeply, deeply nervous about their job prospects. Or and that's the place where you need to meet them. And you can't yeah. you can't dismiss their fear because they're prepared for the future. You have to engage their fear in real time, which is going to be about something that is probably not going to be a big deal because they've already prepared for it. Yep. Just because you get a big-ass bank account doesn't mean you're not terrified. Right. Death is coming for you. Sickness is coming for you. The people you love most might leave at any moment. Just because you have a great stock portfolio doesn't mean you're not living in terror. Right. There's the outsourcing of emotions. I need a two next to me who can really make sure that the people in my life stand by me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and for a lot of the rest of us, you would look at that scenario and say, why are you worried? This is a silly thing to be worried about. Yes. And what you're specifically saying to the five is that your needs are a problem. <laughs> because you're saying that their fear is is silly. Well, it's it's a huge problem for fives. And I I mean all of us have that. Right. You know, absolutely. Yeah. D- d- you know, if somebody tells me to take life less seriously, I don't need to be so self-critical. I mean, I can ramble for a while about why you are and I've mistaken. Seen it. It's <laughs> don't ever say that to Jeff when I'm around because I don't want to <laughs> have to hear it. <laughs> I get it, all right? <laughs> Fears, you know what? Somebody needs to write a book about uh, how to wrestle with the fears that we have, TJ. You would think. You would think that that would be out there in very brilliant, you know, diagrams by Cambry Ross (laughs) that are easily (laughs) accessible. Um, (laughs) I'm starting to see a theme here. By the way, dear listener, if you've made it through to this point, that book's coming out. I'm going to stamp it. It's going to happen. You can always upload a digital file to Amazon. (laughs) They got printing presses. I actually have a a book uh, that's printed on demand by the sure. Amazon. You can buy everything new at Amazon.com and not at your local bookstore. That's true. I'm one of the few people who will admit that, I suppose. And if you even have local bookstores. <laughs> that's right. Those don't exist. <laughs> Seriously, we live in Greeley, Colorado, town of 150,000 people people our university has 15,000 students and we don't have a bookstore in our no we town. have two now oh that's if true we we're having this conversation a year ago we don't have a local bookstore here but now we have two god bless midnight oil i forgot right. 
All right, we come around to the sixes. Again, taking the world in through the uncertain future. Sixes need to know in their heads that they're safe. And all you sixes are saying amen, because that's what all you really want, yeah? Yeah, or, the, or they're saying, but how do we know? <laughs> how do we know that we know? How do we know? You take a philosophy class with Jeff Cook, and I'll teach you epistemology. Oh, man, they that would... <laughs> I know a bunch of sixes who would be like, nope, never doing that. <laughs> you know what? You can't ask for something and then have a legitimate, robust solution and then dismiss it. Yeah, I mean, you say can, that, but... <laughs> but... Say that to all of humanity. <laughs> Here's a worthy answer to all the problems that you have. Yeah, I'll set that aside. I, I don't pre- really want to do that. I prefer fear and conjecture. Yep. It's what I know, man. It's familiar. <sighs> you want to talk about sixes needing to know they're safe? Yeah, so... um so sixes, like we're we're ending the circle, but we're also capping off the three six nine problem of taking in the world through the same place you struggle. So sixes take in everything through data processing, uh, categorization of information, and and sort of like like I, I said with sevens that they're scanning the horizon. Sixes are also scanning the horizon, but but for different kinds of things but they don't engage from that same place of data and categorization. They, they actually, that's, that's the place where they get stuck. So everything comes in is like, this is what the world looks like. And then they sort of get stuck in figuring out what to do next. So in experiencing love in experiencing connectedness and and like really feeling like people care about them the place that that happens is in some kind of cognizant understanding that they are safe which as we've said several times this actually becomes like it it's it's it becomes its own problem because their their thinking center is the repressed one they're also constantly questioning that so it, it has to be like you you essentially have to like work really hard as someone who loves a six you have to work really hard to reason your way to showcasing safety one of the things that always hits me here is that sixes don't have an anchor in the past mm-hmm. and just like all the types when they don't have an anchor in one of the time slots it can become problematic Right, And so sixes don't have past tools to inform their fears that they're experiencing right now in the present. Right. right. Another way to say that is they, they don't remember when things went well. Yeah. We said this in the last podcast that fours, sixes, and eights, they come across in these ways oftentimes, especially when they're struggling, where they need to hear something from others and that's actually how they're connecting with the world. That's how they feel seen. That's how they know they're not going to be betrayed. And that's how they feel safe for the sixes. Mm-hmm. And so for those of us who love, love, love fours, sixes, or eights, oftentimes it can become overwhelming that we need to meet them emotionally in these spaces. But 
this is the place they experience love. Mm -hmm. And so if we do love them, when we enter these spaces, we're doing huge, huge work. Right. And, and like you have to do it in a thinking kind of way. Yep. Like you have, you have to reason with them. You have to explain it. You have to, to lay it out and, and show it like you have to show your work. We've talked about the emotional response triad, which by the way, this coping style four sixes and eights, they need to have their emotions validated. Mm -hmm. Notice how cognitive that is. Right. It's right. not about feeling something or intuiting something. It's very much just speaking into the intellectual space. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and for sixes, it's, it is so often that sixes will, especially when they are connected to someone that they feel at least a little bit safe with, they're going to make their fears known. And we, historically, we, us, me and Jeff, but also the entire Enneagram community, we've done, a, a, I think, a, a poor job in sort of caricaturizing sixes, but like, in them bringing their fears to the table, they're they're sharing part of their heart, and yes. when we are dismissive of that, we're actually we're we're not taking their fears seriously. Just like with fives, if you don't take it seriously, that's a problem. But with sixes, it also really helps to reason with them through their fears. Like yeah. that is that is how they start to feel safe is by starting to understand cognitively that they are safe. It's again, if you're meeting them in their repressed center, you're loving them and yep. all the types are there. And so if a six is in your life and you love them, that's where you're going to do a ton of groundwork. Right. It's real easy when I think about this to say that about all the other types and it's, Unfortunately, we've talked about the stigma with sixes that this, a lot of sixes don't like the fact that they're sixes. Right. But all the types have issues. Right. That we just do. You may see your issue as, as socially difficult, but eights are routinely seen as abusive jerks and they need somebody to step into that space and shore up their feeling center. Right. You know, we can go around the circle with all of our inadequacies. I don't mean to just pick on eights, but you can take it eights. They're not and listening the, anymore. Yeah, anyways. they they took off. All. <laughs> that's why I'm feel permission. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's valuable. Yeah, it's also the case that part of that reasoning will have to do with addressing their past. Yeah. Like, like we, we talked about like sixes don't remember their past and part of the work that someone who loves a six has to do is remind them of their past, remind them of the places where they actually have, not only are you safe here in this house, but also remember when this thing happened when you were alone and you handled it well. Like just, just reminders and like bringing up their own past to help inform their present and, and sort of put a cap on some of those future fears. Yep. That would be worth talking about for a minute. Ones, sixes, sevens, and eights all have no anchor in the past. 
in terms of their stance or their intelligence center. Mm -hmm. And all of them are going to struggle because of that in terms of remembering what has happened. I know I can speak to that personally. One of the most valuable things my wife speaks over me is compliments. And she's a three, so she memorizes these things. Here are the, here's what happened. Here are the deep successes you experienced just six months ago Mm -hmm. that ought to feed my heart when I'm looking for somebody to tell me that I'm good at the things I do. Right. You know? Yeah. And she's befuddled. And and it's like, like for you, it's, I know you're worried that things aren't going well right now, but remember six months ago when things were great and you moved on from them so quickly, celebrate your, your, your victories. I mean, that's it. It's not just celebrating them. It's kind of remembering them. Right. You do understand that these 20 people told you that the most important person that ever came into their life is you. And you can't remember that? Right. Of course I can't remember that. Right. Because you're already moving on to the next thing. I can't move on to the next thing. I live entirely in the present moment. Yeah. So too with sixes. Yep. Don't have tools to pull from the past to say, here's why the fear that you presently have doesn't have the power that you're assigning it. Right. Boom. Anything else with sixes there? Nope. We are around the circle, my brother. We did it. I'm not wrong in saying that that's some gold content. Sometimes when you and I uh, pick up a topic and I know it's gold, it's gold because we haven't talked about it before and nobody else in the history of humanity has talked about it before. (laughs) And we're going to dive into some stuff. And that was part of the thing that I was anticipating with this. It was like, well, there's some stuff here. Let's see what happens. Yeah, it worked. And by the way, if if anyone wants to say Helen Palmer talked about this in 1980, you're probably right. <laughs> and also Hurley and Dobson. Uh, did they? There, I mean, there. A lot of our love? stuff is taken from, um, like the the idea of the intelligence center sandwich. Oh, sure. Uh, I learned about that through Hurley and Dobson. My stuff. The, this is correct. I was referring more to receiving love in your secondary center. Mm, sure. I don't feel like that's been hit yet. Sure. Just going to footnote that uh, for all future research, if you're actually a honest, uh, praiseworthy academic and <laughs> are doing footnotes, Around the Circle podcast was the first one to put their rubber stamp on. <laughs> or at least the first ones to systematize it. Come on. That's, that's enough for me. <laughs> Einstein systematized uh, relativity. He gets sure. a historic footnote. Yeah. Counts. Come on. <laughs> You know what else counts? What? When you share this podcast with somebody that you love, (laughs) preferably somebody who needs to understand how they experience love and has never been able to put language to it. It's a great segue. I think that if I were actually to love somebody, shoot, this is my type. (laughs) You want me to make your life better, TJ? I mean, we're still in a relationship together, so (laughs) I must need something. (laughs) Holy somebody. I need to figure this out. Maybe I need to read an Enneagram book to figure out how to wrestle with this. But long story short, this this if you're a one, you could at least share it with somebody who needs to make their life better. Preferably somebody who needs to know how they experience love. Yeah. That's that what I got. Yeah. <laughs> We're on hour two and a half. <laughs>
Um, dear listener, it would mean the world to us if you took two seconds. Give us some stars on iTunes or Spotify or simply share this on your social media. The music here is obviously by The Collection and by the great Brian Claxon from Greeley, Colorado. And you can find all the links to all of our stuff at AroundTheCircle.org. That's what I got. You got anything else? I got nothing, man. He's DJ Wilson. He's officially awesome and incredibly patient with me when I'm having, like, seriously, if I listed the stuff going on in my life this week, I have 10,000 pounds of hay that hit me this week. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to get through this podcast, which went way too long. Um, <laughs> but hey, TJ, guess what? What? I love you. I love you. And, and I hope you experience that love. I do. Oh, there you go. hope you experience mine as well. I do. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. <laughs> Be who you are. It'll set the world on fire. <laughs>